Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today's episode is one of those episodes on guests I've been trying to get on for a long, long time. I, I've, I've been scared to reach out. I always say don't put people up on pedestals, but this is one of those episodes I'm hugely, hugely excited for. So this week's guest is Chris Williamson or Chris Willex on um, Instagram. So Chris is the host of the Modern Wisdom Podcast, which is one of those podcasts that I listen to on a religious basis. I have three or four podcasts to listen to on an ongoing basis each week I tune in. And Chris has gone from being the very first person on the UK Love Island to having the Modern Wisdom Podcast. That podcast gets around half or about 800,000 to 1 million downloads a month. And it's incredible. And the amount of subscribers he has to it, and it's an incredible thing, and he should be extremely proud. The likes of the guests he's had on are Jay Alston from, and James Smith from the fitness industry. Got the likes of Johan Harry, he's had Ron Halliday, he's had Stephen Pressfield, he has had so many more guests, guys. It's like if you aren't listening to his um, podcast, please do go ahead over to it and listen to it after this. It's, it's incredible. So, guys, hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did recording it with Chris. So, the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast with Chris Williamson. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you, sir? Very well, man. How are you? I am very good. So I I had a bit of a fangirl moment when I was doing the intro for Chris before this. So Chris, I'm going to let everyone, I'm going to let you tell your story about yourself, where you've kind of come from, uh, how you started the podcast and how you just got to where you are now, because you've you've got a, a variety of backgrounds. From the nightclub <laughs> life to where you are now, and you, they, they they don't you wouldn't exactly like when you're going through your CV, you wouldn't see the there wouldn't be a direct correlation. So, I'm gonna let you go through this. Cool. Okay. So uh, for the people who don't know me, my name is Chris Williamson. I'm from the northeast of the UK, uh, host of the Modern Wisdom podcast, uh, director at Voodoo Events, and for the last sort of three years or so, a lot of my time and passion has been put into running my events. Yes, a club promoter from the northeast of the UK. Um, about seven or eight years ago, I went on Take Me Out. Uh, then I also went on Love Island, uh, Blue Tick on Twitter, you know, Blue Tick on Instagram, all the, all the big things. Um, realized that I was not really living that much of an aligned life, that I had a lot of interests and curiosities, uh, and I thought I was someone that I wasn't. And the result of that was a lot of introspective work and exposing myself to mindful content and that kind of culminated with me starting the show because it gave me the opportunity to speak to people as much as I wanted and we are now three years deep into that 10 million plays Robert Green, Ryan Holiday, James Clear, a porn star you know again like all the headliners that you want uh, on a show and um, yeah that's that's where we're at man two million plays last month a lot of um a lot of big stuff going on at the moment with regards to that. And we're still somehow doing club nights during a pandemic, which uh, is a, a miracle to me as well. And that brings me right to this moment now where I'm talking to you. That's madness. I remember seeing the I remember seeing the the photo of yourself on Love Island or on um, Take Me Out. The big the big hair. Big afro. It's, uh, it's uh, mad how far you've come from. And I, 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 I don't want to go too much into like the... The, the love island stuff and stuff like that because i think i've had Sinead Hegarty on before and she spoke about her experience on it mm-hmm. but you and from your own podcast you've spoken about the shift from from going in there the lot of soul searching that you've done and kind of like the lot of kind of social media pressure that's on the kind of the next generation the tiktok generation 
and all that kind of stuff. Do you think there's enough kind of being done to kind of protect that generation? And what kind of what would you change to get away from that 15 minute fame ideology that's out there at the minute? Yeah, it's a really good point and something that I'm very passionate about. I have a massive problem, sadly, with, I, I guess, like the industry that I came from, i.e. the very sort of transactional fame by 15 minutes, famous for anything uh, world. And it's sad to sort of think that maybe 10 years ago or seven years ago, if you asked young guys and girls working class towns in the UK what they wanted to do when they grow up, it would be like, be on Geordie Shore or be on like X on the beach. And now if you ask kids, the most popular thing that people want to do, that children want to do now under the age of 15 is YouTuber. That's like the number one. So no policeman, no fireman, no astronaut, no scientist, none of that. Like that's been knocked off by being a YouTuber. And obviously me and you are contributing to that now. Um, But yes, it's a challenge because previously being famous was a title bestowed on you because you had done something worthy of the fame, right? So you invented a light bulb or um, won a world record or were a diplomat worthy of note or whatever it might be. What's happened is that people have realized that notoriety by any means gets you to the point of people, uh, social renown and all of the clout and associated graces that that brings with it but you don't actually have to do any of the hard stuff, which is doing something worthy of being famous in the first place. So perfect example that I always use is Tommy Fury, famous, successful, talented boxer who's worked for over a decade at his craft and had a, a solid professional record when he went into Love Island. But he wasn't picked to get 3 million followers and people across the country knowing his name because of his talent as a boxer. He was selected because he happened to be in a pair of swim shorts for six weeks in a villa. So what it does is it completely dilutes down people's talents to be the lowest common denominator. Who just has a bit of charm? And there's people going in there that are doctors, like one girl was a bomb disposal expert. None of these things are what people are being chosen for. They're simply being chosen for the lowest common denominator, which is being on a TV show. And again, like I appreciate, the reason I feel I have a little bit of license to say this is I'm saying it from the trenches, right? I'm a big advocate of sobriety for productivity. I can say that because I've put a million drunk people into nightclubs, you know, like you can, you can say that, or at least I I feel like you can. So yes, uh, is there enough being done, man, this is, you can't legislate for this sort of stuff. Like, what are you going to try and do? This is social trends. This is something that's inbuilt. People have seen that they can get some sort of a shortcut to notoriety, to social clout, to climbing that hierarchy. Like, that's been weaponized, quantified, objective, uh, ob- objectively measured by social media, which then further reinforces people's ability to work out where they are within this hierarchy and also gives them a, it gamifies getting further and further up it, you know? Oh, I've got 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, a million followers on this channel, that channel, whatever it might be. Um, I think that hopefully we're seeing a little bit of a corner be turned with People like Joe Rogan, who certainly doesn't adhere to the lowest common denominator. He does long-form, difficult conversations about a wide variety of topics. You know, he's the he's like the alpha man's slightly thick polymath, like which all of us are. You know, like none of us are that smart. That unless you've got a specialized podcast on one particular thing, you're just a curious individual who happens to be a specialist in a couple of areas, like Rogan is in comedy and MMA and conspiracy theories, perhaps. 
Um, but he'll a self-confessed dummy outside of that. But what it's showing people is that perhaps the lowest common denominator now isn't the easiest way or the quickest way to get famous. Uh, Instagram removing the likes counter means that people are no longer as bothered about the quantifiable metrics of success and perhaps will look to other things like the kind of impact that the posts that they're putting out have. How many DMs do they get? How many saves does it have? Um, so I think that we may actually have not reached the peak and already kind of cut it short, but TikTok is a perfect example of a platform which is like entirely built for clout. It really is the lowest common denominator. Um, you know, people aren't going on to TikTok to make their lives better or to gain wisdom that's going to sort of improve them. It is genuinely a time hole. And that's not for me to say that Netflix is any better or whatever it might be, but it is a, a platform which is purely built for that. Um, so the next five years to decade will be interesting to see where that goes yeah i've like i have I've had a few people on to talk about the likes of the power of that social media and you i think have you seen the social dilemma on netflix mm-hmm. and i think one of the, the the quotes that sticks out with me was one of the the guys that was in in the government he was kind of like i i'm not going to be here in 20 or 30 years but i also don't want to see what's going to happen to the people that are coming up and one of the one of the things that i kind of thought of was could you put an age limit on people who are about to sign up or if parents or put a filter on that the parent has to be parental consent from the age of say below 12 or below 12 shouldn't be on the likes of social media because that's ultimately where people are most vulnerable they're kind of like they're impressionable at that age if they're looking to look for someone who has the big glutes or the big quads or the six pack six pack piece or whoever it may be they think that that's what they want and they grow up striving for that and there's nothing wrong with that but it has to be there why it shouldn't be like this is the peer pressure. It's kind of like if you look at the likes of potentially when if you look at the media and this, the trends from when it's body type, it was the Kate Moss look. It was the Marlon Monroe look. And now it's kind of like the Kim, Kim K look. It's kind of changed, but that's the media putting their impressions onto you all the time so something potentially has to do with it i think there is some regulation coming into the uk i think there is a minister that's put something in as in he's put in a bill and i'm not sure if it's been signed off yet but it's as in if you edit or are you've got a filter up on your post and you've kind of cropped in a six-pack or you've, you've kind of cropped off an, a part of your body you may have to declare it so I'm not 100% sure if that's been passed yet. I know the one that the girls that I had on, she was talking about it and she's a huge advocate for that. And I think that's potentially the next movement. But you guys have a mental health minister as well. We don't have that here. You've a, you've a, like in the UK, you've got a sole person for mental health. And I'm not sure what that lady is ultimately doing. I'm not into politics at all, but I'm not sure from someone who lives in the uk i'm not sure what's been doing i only can see what's been streamed into my eyes as an irish person so i'm not sure what can you see anything being done i didn't even know we had one didn't even know that we didn't even know that they existed no this is the first time hearing of it she sounds lovely i hope that she does (laughs) i hope that she does good work when she finally gets down to it no i mean you know we've recently only a month ago passed mental health awareness week which i think is actually a global thing and then maybe there's a like a uk um mental health awareness day or week earlier in the year i feel like that um and i don't know i mean that's that's a a whole nother rabbit hole for us to get down about is enough being done around mental health um the world's chaotic and we as humans are not built to imbibe the entire globe's news in real time 24 hours a day like all of our problems are problems of surplus not problems of scarcity now 
So we have too much food, too much information, too much stimulus, too many drugs, too much of an easy life. Like the, you can deliver your five-star Michelin food to your door while you Amazon Prime the best movies directly to your TV and then like oh, Amazon Prime you gardening set that you can, you know, I mean, like it, the level of convenience and everything else. We have far too much uh, surplus of everything at the moment and we're seeing what happens when uh, when humans have that for the first time in history. You've mentioned something that's a huge thing for myself regarding the kind of the sobriety thing as well, because from someone who obviously works in an industry where sobriety isn't necessarily a, like you run nightclubs, you run events, uh, and it, it can't be easy with temptation all around. But you talk about alcohol being a social enhancing drug uh, and kind of like, that, have you attached, have you had any stigmas attached to yourself and what's been your, your experience of kind of taking the alcohol away from your kind of like your normal Mm. life yeah so i decided about five years ago that i wanted more time to spend on projects that i deemed important to me this coincided with the kind of left turn that i made as i said kind of with self-inquiry and a bunch of other stuff so there was a number of changes that i made at one point and one of them was going sober for six months i set myself the target of doing it for six months and i found that i really enjoyed it uh, and uh, bizarrely, uh, sobriety was quite addicting after a little while. Um, I wasn't a massive drinker. I'd only drink maybe once every fortnight. But I was a classic, like, party lad drinker. So I'd go hard, but I'd only go hard once every fortnight or maybe once every month. Um, and I had a break after, had a break from sobriety. That's so interesting that I've just decided to say had a break from sobriety now rather than had a break from drinking. It's a mad concept. I think that that shows that my set point now is sobriety rather than my set point being drinking um but I, i'm now 26 months 26 months yesterday sober um again just because i wanted to set myself a challenge of 18 months and then the lockdown happened and i was like it's pointless me starting drinking again uh, so anyway I, I didn't notice personally for me i didn't notice a, a massive amount of social stigma uh, perhaps that's because of the people that i'm around perhaps that's because in the industry where there would have been some people who perhaps were very vociferous about their displeasure at me not drinking i hold a certain amount of status which means that really you know what's the barman going to give me the guy that runs the club night stick or the dj like we're all kind of on the same level as opposed to it just being some random punter on the street you know um so you kind of have a little bit more to battle back but but i I really enjoyed it when people said like why are you not drinking i'd be like i'm challenging myself i'm not going to drink for six months and they'd look at me like i was a holocaust denier six months not mate why are you all right and i'm like i'm fine everything's fine you don't need to worry about me but ed latimore past guest on my show and the best alcohol sobriety quote in history the most dense maxim ever created alcohol is the only drug where if you don't do it people assume you have a problem i'm not asking you why you're not smacking up this evening or like, hey, mate, like, how come you haven't wiped cocaine off your nose? Or like, there's no bags of kept behind you. Um, actually, there is a caveat to that, which is coffee. Caffeine is probably the other drug where if you don't do it, people assume you have a problem. You're like, you don't drink coffee? Mate, are you mental? But alcohol has a very sort of um, special place, especially in the UK, in people's hearts. And they, they can't really imagine a world where people don't do it. Um, but for people that are listening, try it out. Uh, I, I recommend anyone over the age of 25... Uh, do 28 days once a year, do 90 days once every two years, and do six months once every five. And if you do that, you will see 
unbelievable games in your life. It is the ultimate competitive advantage that everybody is leaving on the table. Like in the time since I first went sober, I've bought four houses, launched the podcast, opened the events stuff up into two other cities and probably visited about 20, 25 countries. Um, and a lot of that has been due to the compounding effect of me being able to move ahead more quickly and more consistency. I was able to build better habits, my uh, mental robustness and, and my mindset and my well-being generally has improved. And I've genuinely discovered things that I care about because I'm not just taking two steps forward and two steps back every couple of weeks and electing to waste between one seventh and one fourteenth of my life hungover um, consistently. Uh, it really makes a big difference. You, I think what you said there about or that the quote that you mentioned about that it is one of those that it is the only drug that if you're not taking it, it it's mad and like Ireland has that culture as well I know I don't think that's more than us man. yeah um but it is I remember like I haven't drank for what is it now October uh near about nearly could be four years in March shit congratulations uh yeah like I wasn't an alcoholic right? I just wanted to say that yeah I see that there's there's the warning there's the warning it's like I wasn't an alcoholic it's but I've noticed like if you do go out or when you could go out um it was one of those things if you don't drink people are like what's wrong and even if you're trying to like d- like do social things or whatever it's kind of like or else even trying to like get a uh, a date or something like that kind of like the first thing they say is let's go for a drink and you're like okay I don't drink but and they're like oh I don't want to just be they don't well they don't like the idea that they're drinking when you're not i think everyone everybody now especially with people like yourself and me and uh a number of other kind of like very prominently the low and no movement as it's called at the moment i like alcohol free or low alcohol beverages is massive i think everyone knows in the heart of hearts that they probably should be drinking a lot less potentially not at all and that gets reflected back very harshly when you see someone who isn't uh, which potentially can make for a suboptimal atmosphere on a first date. But I mean, anyone who thinks that going for drinks on your first date is a good idea doesn't know about dating. Your best first date is a walking date during the day because you aren't directly opposite someone, you're stood next to them, which has like a unique way of communicating. It tends to be in the daytime. It can be short, i.e. like 30 minutes. So if it's shit, both of you get like a quick out. You can do it on your lunch break. You know, it, it, the, the walking date is is the best first date i'm being honest like if you have sobriety as a part of your life which you think this is really important to me because it helps me to better myself or i am a recovering um substance abuser and it's a part of my life in such a huge uh, much more existential way than it might be for me and yourself do you really want to be aligned with someone who doesn't see that both groups of people the one who is using it for growth and the other one that's using it for recovery both of them should want someone that wants to support them and when it comes to friends and stuff like that, if the only time that your friends want you to be around them is when you're destroying yourself along with them, then you need better friends. And if the only time that you can bear being around your friends is when you're drunk, then you definitely need better friends. I definitely noticed that when I definitely noticed that, that it's kind of like if you look, if you were to look at my circle then, say four years ago to the circle now, so, so different. And like you mentioned the compound effect with kind of like, what I decided to do was whatever I was spending, say on the nights out, I would still put it into a different account. So then it's still there and I can use it on stuff that I actually want to do. So it builds up, builds up. And mm-hmm. like you've 
you've probably noticed the difference. You've been able to go on 25 countries or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, for flights with booze money, you know? Like, yeah. what are the memories? I, I've swapped losing memories for making memories, you know? Yeah. Like, I can go to Bali, uh, flying, like, um, nice class, like, economy plus, and going traveling around and having tour guides and all this stuff and it probably cost me the same as a couple of months of partying like which one would i have would you have happily sacrificed the partying for the trip like yeah yeah it's like i remember I, you were on paul mort's podcast and paul's been on this as well and he talks about it a lot that like a lot of people go on holidays to get absolutely wrecked and they come back more tired from the holiday and you're like a holiday need is a holiday to- from my holiday yeah yeah and it's kind of like it's kind of counterintuitive but i don't see it's very hard when you're talking about not drinking it's a lot of people will be like oh that's preaching and it's kind of like that's not what we're trying to do it's just saying it can be done like we're ireland are in lockdown for the next until beginning of December. So you mentioned about a 28-day challenge. Do it now. Do it right yeah. now. Do it with, like, you can do it alongside November if you want, and you can look at your... Massive, ta- massive moustache, no alcohol. What a way to spend November, man. Well, you can look like Mr. Pringle, but drinking tea, it'd be great. I love it. Uh, you've, I can see during lockdown and stuff like that, you're an avid, avid, avid reader, and I can see behind you over your shoulder, like the leaning tower of, of books. Came down the other day. Oh, did it? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, if you were to say the top three lessons that you've learned from a book that you've actually applied, because that is the hardest thing to do. We can all be book whores and read, 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 and never apply anything. I can see Chris in meditation. I was trying. Yeah, I put him under the spot now. Okay, so um, navalmanak.com, N A V A L M a n a c k.com navalmanak.com uh that book's free it's written by eric jorgensen it's a compilation of naval ravikant's like densest aphorisms um desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want like that the insight that you get when you realize that your desires are the axis of your suffering they're the vector upon which all of the suffering in your life comes from because you desire the world to be different to the way that it is Realizing that, like properly, properly internalizing that is a real game changer. Um, Sam Harris, Waking Up, uh, you are not your thoughts. You are the person who hears them. Um, That, again, for anyone who has ever had depressive periods or, you know, everyone has melancholy a little bit and and kind of feels detached from the world and could be happier. Um, We attach our sense of self to the words that we hear in our head. Any internal voice is probably just a projection of an external voice. Your parents from when you were younger, your friends. It's an amalgamation of all the things you see and hear. That's why when you dream, like last night, I watched Great British Bake Off last night and I had a dream about Great British Bake Off. Like why? Well, it's because it was, it was something that had been circling around in my subconscious. And to everyone that's listening, you don't know the next thought that's going to come into your head any more than the words, you know, the words that are going to come out of my mouth. So don't treat the words that your mind tells you with any more uh legitimacy than you would a person just talking to you on the street you are the person who hears the words you're not the person you're not the the being that speaks them and that helps us to detach our sense of ego and stuff like that uh and alanda botton um the school of life emotional intelligence book and he says loneliness is a kind of tax we have to pay to atone for a certain complexity of mind uh and what that taught me was that it is perfectly fine to be weird and unique and to have different interests to other people because for a long time I was very embarrassed of my um, like intellectual curiosity and came like 
state primary school, state secondary school, Stockton sixth form, sixth form college into Newcastle University, like all, you know, very much a working class background, very classic. Like Teesside, where I'm from, is famous for only, uh, only famous for being the town with the highest teen pregnancy rate in the UK, which was recently taken by like Warrington or Wigan. Um, so very much was from like a classic working class background and I had non-typical interests. I was using words like my mum would slap me on the back of my wrist when I didn't pronounce my T's because she wanted me to speak as she called it properly. It's not for me to say that it's any more or less proper than anyone else, but she wanted me to speak in a particular way, which made me stand out at school and a bunch of other things did as well as playing cricket, and blah, blah, blah. Made me very, very unconfident in my um, own truth. And I hid that away for a long time and dampened that down. Uh, and I can tell anyone for whom that sounds like something that they perhaps do or a corner that they wish that they could turn, that my life has got exponentially better since I've embraced my weirdness. Um, and in fact, I think that the weirder you are, the more competitive you are because no one can beat you at being you, right? You are Shane Walsh, a unique combination of all of the things that you've done, your backgrounds, your traumas, your successes, your failures, the f funny way that you kick when you kick a ball with your left foot and everything, right? That whole working model compiled together has created you. And that means that no one else can do that. That is your competitive advantage, precisely that there. And for every time that you decide to regress to the mean, i.e. like how much closer can I get to normal, what more people are, you're just taking yourself out of a market of one and putting yourself into a market of 7 billion. Like, why would you do that? Like, continue to embrace your weirdness as hard as you can. That doesn't mean, you know, like start talking about your sex stuff at work. But my point is that you should have confidence in the fact, and especially as a final point to this, we now live in a world where you have frictionless connection to the rest of the planet. There is a group of people out there, probably on Reddit, who have the same interests that you do about like Sid Meier's Civilizations season two on like Windows 95 and I just love it and I can't stop playing it. There is a group of people out there who love that or Dungeons and Dragons or Handball or, you know, like allotments or minimalism, everything. There is someone out there who has that. So yeah, embrace your weirdness. And that Alanda Botton quote, loneliness is a kind of tax you have to pay to atone for a certain complexity of mind. I think when you start talking about your own story, and I remember hearing it on one of your episodes that you were talking about kind of like when you went into Love Island and stuff like that, that you thought you had to be perceived as, as a certain person, a certain like that you were you were there for, for a particular reason. And when you were talking to girls and stuff like that, you almost had to like second guess and kind of say to yourself and stop saying certain things and mm -hmm. being Chris. Um, and I think I can resonate with that because I was ladder up against the wrong wall for a very long time at a corporate background for five years, absolutely despised it. And then my health went and then I was like, right, life is too short for this shit. Uh, so I needed to put myself in a direction that I wanted to go, not what society says, which you've spoken about and culture and norms, whatever culture norms is, because uh, every culture is completely different. Ireland culture is completely different to culture of Australia. It's so, so different. Um, and as you said, there is something out there for everyone. Japan anime is a massive thing as well. K-pop, K-pop, yeah. fucking huge. I always see people trending on Twitter. I'm like, what's this trending? Some guy doing K-pop. 
by the I don't know why Japan came. I think it was because I was watching Bake Off last night, and I, that was the the cakes from it. So I think that's what pop, that popped into my head. How do you stop yourself from like over consum- consumption of books and not actually applying it to yourself? Like, is there so, is there a certain tactic that you use? Because everyone has a different tactic, and I mean, this whatever you're about to say may not work for someone. Mm. But what's the tactic that you bring into play? So you mentioned earlier, I probably kind of need to hold my hands up. I'm not a very good reader or a very good recaller of information. In fact, five years ago, I, I literally couldn't read a single page of a book without getting distracted. Um, my industry club promo was run almost entirely through WhatsApp. So I would spend my phone, my, my screen time would be like seven plus eight hours a day uh, because that was where work was for me. And I wasn't bothered about reducing my screen time, like using WhatsApp web and iMessage web and Twitter web and stuff like that to get distance myself from my phone. I was just fully down the rabbit hole. And then when I tried to sit down with a Kindle or a book and there was no flashing lights and red circles and bings and bongs, I would sit and I would feel uncomfortable with the decreased stimulus. So I'd notice that I'd have like little sort of slight uncomfortable jerks in my body. Like just because that lower level, this is what I'm guessing, the lower level of stimulus, my body just wasn't used to it. Um, If you are someone who wants to read more, you you just have to read. Uh, And even if it's just a sentence a day, I promise you, like my reading habit is, I read 15 minutes a day, morning and night, 30 minutes-ish. Like sometimes it's a lot less than that. It's almost always the morning session for a minimum of about 10 minutes, which is part of my routine. Um, In terms of recall, I don't have some Tiago Forte building a second brain, like perfect knowledge management system. Um, I like to read on Kindle. Um, Kindle has a highlight function, which is incredibly useful. Then there is a tool called Readwise, readwise readwise.io, I think it is. Um, And they just send you your highlights Um, a selection of them randomly chosen on your email. But for the most part, Tim Ferriss has this beautiful saying where he says, the good shit sticks. And I think that if you focus on reading classics, i.e. books that probably aren't, haven't been published within the last couple of years at the very least, and when you're reading them, you take time, you know, like I don't read super fast either. Like it takes me, you know, in 15 minutes, I'll get through maybe 10 pages. So I'm doing like maybe 10 or 20 pages a day, perhaps a little bit more. But like, you'd be surprised, man. Like you can get through a lot, a lot of books. And also don't think that you need to complete a book. Like you can probably get the, the core tenant of most books within the first third to a half. And if you find that it's not engaging you after that point, or even before that point, just put it down. Um, but yeah, the, the highlight um, on Kindle and also talking about it to people. So my training partner, Alfie, who will be absolutely sick, but I'll get in the car with him on a morning and I'll say, hey, Matt, so this morning I read about this and it's the Feynman technique, right? Like you, you learn what you, what you teach. So I'll try and like repurpose something I've learned. But yeah, Kindle, especially we've got uh, Black Friday coming up soon. This might be out before then, I guess. And um, it's like the best 40 quid that you're ever going to spend because it just makes reading so frictionless. And the highlighting function is phenomenal. So that and an audible subscription, if you are kind of getting into to reading. Uh, and then if you're an advanced reader and you're thinking, well, I, I get through quite a bit, then look at Tiago Forte's personal knowledge management system, uh, his para, P-A-R-A hierarchy, uh, which is called building a second brain. Um, and that is basically how to completely 
quantify all of the stuff that you've got in your head uh, on a note taking app on your computer but yeah that would be what i'd say create a create a habit do it consistently read stuff that interests you put books down that don't and highlight like i highlight like hell like yeah entire like paragraphs and stuff would get highlighted and i get things back and i'm like i've highlighted a whole page there never mind uh, you've spoken about a habit, uh, like the, the word habit has kind of popped up a good bit there. And you talk about the habit, but it's your morning routine, which is your habit. And I think a lot of people are like, when you hear that, it's kind of like, oh, this this is army regimented. They kind of freak out. It's like, I won't be able to live. I won't be able. But a lot of people right now are kind of like, I've noticed that an awful lot more with kind of like, it's kind of bright in the mornings and very dark in the evenings here. But I've noticed a lot more people now are knowing that that's about to happen, that the, the mornings are going to get darker and they're trying to get out first thing in the morning, get away from the madness of kind of like the kids. We're on midterm at the minute with the kids and the kids are kind of like, a lot of kids are running into walls and the people are trying to hold down jobs while doing it. Do you believe a kind of a routine is a hinder or a powerful tool for morning people, particular like a morning routine or any routine really? I think if you don't have a morning routine, you're neutering your ability to be effective. And this is not me talking from like a Silicon Valley startup entrepreneur, wanky bro, uh, like broadcaster world. This is if you're a, a stay at home mom, this is if you are a, a young athlete, this is if you're a university student, you need a power up routine to the day. It's the only part of the day where you're going to have complete control over what you do. Um, my routine is very simple. It's built on four buckets. Um, first bucket is move. So I get outside as soon as I wake up, I go for a walk. Uh, I ruptured my Achilles a few months ago. So it's been very interesting for me to not have that anymore. I've gone and stood outside when I was allowed to finally stand again. Um, and only recently have got back to walking about hundred yards, but if you can about 10 or 15 minute walk in whatever semblance of daylight you've got, even if it's 6am, like, and it's still dark, you're outside, you're smelling the fresh air. Um, then come back in, uh, reflect. So that would be journaling. Makes a massive difference. The six-minute diary is a very cheap um, solution for that. It's about £19 on Amazon. And if you get that, it'll last you for about five months. And it just gives you a prompt, three questions in the morning, three at night, every day. If you don't like that, then Morning Pages by uh, Julia Cameron is another very popular alternative a lot of artists use. And it's a fantastic way to get yourself out of your own head. Um, so move, reflect, learn. So you want to do some form of reading if you can, and then prepare. So get yourself set for the day. And all of that can be done without touching your phone. The alternative is sleep with your phone next to your bed, roll over, wake up, scroll through social media, have a coffee with the low-level dopamine anxiety stimulus kicking you in the ass, then run out of the door. Like that, both of those things can be done in about 45 minutes, maybe an hour, I guess. Um, both of those things can be done in an hour and the difference in how you feel. And then when you compound that over time is unbelievable. Um, like I, I would not miss my morning routine. Uh, the streak that I have at the moment would, would be terrifying. And obviously this ties in with the sobriety stuff because I'm never knocked off with a hangover, which means that I even more compound, I'm even more consistent with my routine. I love it. Like I wake up every morning, I'm like, fuck, I get to read like that blog post that I sent to my Kindle yesterday. And I know I've got a tough meditation session because my coach has said that I've got to do like 20 minutes and oh, 20 minutes is quite long, blah, blah, whatever it might be. But I look forward to it. Um, and you can, you genuinely can have this beautiful, quiet, harmonious, controlled, 
non-chaotic period first thing in the morning and let's say that the entire rest of the day goes to shit your kid like hurt but burns his hand at school and you've got to go collect him and there's a deadline for work and this this and this like you still won the morning like you still nailed the morning so you've got that it's the one of the reasons i think a lot of people like training because they know that even if the rest of the day went to shit they still got a workout in they've progressed in one small domain that the rest of the world couldn't ruin um so yeah I, i would recommend if you are not already doing a morning routine sleep with your phone outside of your bedroom it will make an instant 10% increase to your life uh happiness um and I, then I, stick to I the routine started, i started doing the the phone thing probably at the beginning of the last lockdown so what was that march yeah march march 12th i think when we went first into lockdown uh and to say what is it now eight months on eight and a half months on now to say my headspace, to say my energy levels, to say everything is much better. And even now, I was before the gyms were closed, I changed my routine from training at lunchtime completely to change in the morning. Energy levels up, product levels up, the clients are getting happier. Me, well, they might disagree with that, but <laughs> it's it's and the and the books, the books before bed, uh, or I, I'm I'm more active, my brain works better in the mornings than the evenings um i'm literally so as soon as i hit the pillow i'm gone i'm one of those people um but it's it, it's the routine guys i say it to my clients all the time they're like yeah yeah but like there's a reason why like it's not even from as you said a silicon valley kind of billy bootcamp person ramming down there's a reason why there's people at a certain level is that they have some sort of habit some sort of routine and if anyone's looking for a habit book it is atomic habits by james clear it is phenomenal it explains habits as if it's like talking to a five-year-old but they are so so applicable and if you want to listen to james clear he's been on so many podcasts his daily emails are incredible the quotes he comes out with they're so applicable it's not about trying to get rid of bad habits about trying to he has i think it's called habit stacking when he has when you have some element that you have in your life and add something to it. So I did that. I, I, I did that actually before I read his book that was advised to me by Johnny and Yusuf. Um, I already have a coffee on a morning or I did. I don't, I don't anymore actually. Um, but I used to have a coffee on a morning and I'd sit there in my couch in my room and I'd have my coffee. So I was like, right, well, if I take the second like phone that I have for meditation for the meditation app and my journal and any other stuff that I need for rehab and my Kindle, and I put all of that there, then I can have my coffee while I journal. Then once I've journaled, I can meditate. Then once I've meditated, I can read. And before I know it, I've like added a bunch of stuff on and you can really quickly bundle them together. Habit stacking is powerful. Yeah, I think one of the things that I try to do is like, I think for myself is like get, if I'm having a glass of water while the coffee is brewing or and then get my vitamin T, ta- T tablets in and then ha- grab my fruit when I'm going from the coffee machine back up to get up upstairs and that's something that was work for me fruit in vitamin d and water in before i get the coffee and it's something so simple i think people just like to have they try to change too many things mm. with uh, in, in, in that side of things you've mentioned that the injury and stuff like that it's a weird time to be injured i'd say in the fact or it's also it could be a blessing as well and that the fact there's not a whole lot going on how have you kind of coped with kind of that setback particularly during lockdown and stuff like that because you haven't been able to drive which you're saying off air yeah um so i've never had a serious injury and i ruptured my achilles playing cricket which is like the most british way to rupture an achilles that you can the think this way anyway. yeah i know uh proper bourgeois oh my god i've hurt my leg um and 
yeah, it was, I was very equanimous about it. I'm, I've mentioned and touched on the fact I'm like quite introspective and, and I've had sort of depressive episodes in the past. Um, but I was very impressed with like this resilience, my body and psyche garnered that I didn't know I had, um, which was good. So first off, uh, psychologically, I dealt with it a lot better than I thought I would have done. And, you know, I'm quite proud of the way that I've got through that. Um, I travel a lot, as I mentioned, I like to travel a lot, but this year I've been to Athens and Edinburgh and that's it because quarantine. So I haven't been missing much in that. I think it's probably fair to say it's quite a fortunate time to have an injury that stops you from training and traveling when the gyms have been shut for quite a while and other stuff like that. Um, it has certainly reset my expectations for things. Uh, there's this study that says people who win the lottery and people who become permanently disabled, their happiness levels reset to a baseline that is exactly the same after 12 months. And it sounds, it makes sense if you understand what hedonic adaptation is, but is quite hard to believe in practice. You're like, yeah, 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 but that's for idiots that win the lottery and super positive people who get their leg broken. But I'm telling you now, like, I did my first um, heel raise, double-legged heel raise at the start of this week. Like the amount of joy that I got from just being able to lift myself up with both my feet was like, and the first time that I got to take the boot off, I got cut out of my cast after two weeks and I got to put my foot back on carpet and I got to feel what carpet was like under my foot again. Like all of these things are like such tiny, you wouldn't even notice them usually, but because of the way that we operate, we're relativistic beings, you know, like we, we think um based on if if you're a millionaire surrounded by billionaires you feel poor and kind of the same in terms of stimulus and, and happiness and sort of physical output for me so yeah it was it was aided a lot by reading stoicism in prep for an episode with ryan holiday uh, ross edgley's art of resilience um has been a, a really good insight that's a great audiobook if people want to spend an audible credit on something he's a really charming guy um yeah, it, it's been surprising, but uh, bizarrely hasn't really affected what I like to do. I like to podcast. I like to grow my platform. I like to learn. And mercifully, all of those things can be done when you've only got one leg. You've spoken about the podcast and you can see that you light up when you talk about the podcast. Like It's, it's, it's like a baby. It's like a child. But you, it's exploded. To say it's exploded during lockdown is an understatement. Like you've gone from potentially one a week to now two or three a week, and like the guest is the guest list is like mental. I in the brief intro I gave maybe like four or five, six guests, and I could have just gone through. I was reading Spotify. <laughs> I was like this is envy. Yeah. What's what's your what's your trick with the podcast? What what way do you get people on? Like it's it's because people are always. I know when I first started doing the podcast and I was even like, I, I was skeptical. I was kind of like, I, not that I put you up on a pedestal, but I was like, he's this level of podcast. I was like, will I reach out? Will I reach out? Will he say yes? And all I could say was, right, if he says no or he doesn't come back, it's that's it. Like, but how do you, is it the same mentality or how do you kind of? Precisely, man. Yeah. Like if you don't ask, you don't get, there's a, a saying in Newcastle, shy bands getting out, which is like shy kids don't get anything. And, and, and that's very much it. Like I'll DM anyone, man. Like I've got, you know, Dave Rubin came off the back of me knowing a, a, a guy who I DM'd. Uh, sorry, I, I cold tweeted, publicly cold tweeted Michael Malice, uh, who's been on Rogan like four times. And he replied and said, you don't follow me, you fool. Um, and like, that made me feel like, oh shit. And now he's one of my best mates and I'm going to go see him in America. Um, and like, 
Ryan Holiday. I'm going to go see him on his ranch, I think, in Austin when I when I like do a little trip out there. And yeah, I um, I, I'm very curious. I love the conversations that I have with people. I think that makes for good episodes because I don't have an agenda other than trying to make them look as interesting as possible and have a conversation where we both reach a, a space where we're more wise. Both of us have left the conversation more wise, including the audience as well, hopefully. Um, I've worked quite hard, like I'm whatever, 240 episodes in now, um, which is a lot. So if you do anything for like 400 hours, you'll get less shit at it, uh, which, which is, which is good. Um, Focused on consistency. Uh, in terms of getting the guests, this is actually something I've only realized recently. My background is in network marketing, technically. Well, that's what club promotion is. And I've utilized that in an industry that doesn't particularly well utilize it. And the um, the power of that's been insane. So I get I get the hub that is the beginning of a wheel with a ton of spokes outside of that. Someone like a, a Malice, you know, who's got connections to Rogan, Ruben, uh, like <laughs> would have would have had connections to the rest of the LA comedy scene, but no, they're, they're a bit toxic at the moment. No one wants to speak to them. Um, and then I get Douglas Murray on, so I can get Andrew Doyle, so I can get Zuby, so I can get, you know, and it just tumbles down. And the, the bigger you get, you can see this, like the haves and the have-nots in wealth. You get that with regards to clout as well. Because when I send an email to someone now, I cold approach someone and say, Previous guests include six times New York Times bestselling author Robert Greene, James Clear, Ryan Holiday, and then twenty times bestselling author Seth Godin asks me to come on the sh- to come on the show, or at least his agent asks. Um, so you know, it, it very much is um, a compounding effect. And mercifully, I would do this if no one listened, and I would speak to anyone. You know, the first twenty episodes were just with mates and people that I fangirled about on the internet. And then I managed to kind of like start to reach out to bigger and bigger guests. But yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful platform and long may it continue. Well, Chris is, Chris is being added to the list when I try to reach out for people now. So just FYI, um, who's the one person that you would love to get on? That would be, it doesn't matter from what field, it doesn't matter what kind of space they're in. What would be, who would be the one person that you would love to get on that you would fangirl properly over? I think Naval would probably be Naval Ravikant would be a, a, a serious, a serious episode. Um, I probably maybe three years ago would have said Jordan Peterson, um, but I'm good friends. I'm now, now through the show, good friends with Michaela and she's going to come on later this year. And I think I'll get Jordan once he's better. I think I'll probably get him. Um, and there's something about being friends with someone's daughter that makes them feel like less of a God to you. Kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've heard. I've heard. Of, I've heard interviews with uh, Michaela. Michaela's incredible as well. She's uh, a good. I think Jordan has a new book coming out, doesn't he? Yeah, it's another another set of the rules. Um, so, yes, it's. Uh, I don't know. Man, I think Naval would be good. Alanda Botton from the School of Life would be great. I'd love to have Rogan on because he he is a a wonderful conversationalist. I think David Attenborough before he inevitably passes away, um, which you know, uh, hopefully isn't for like twenty years, but whenever whenever anyone famous and like older dies i just like pray to god that it's not david attenborough um yeah when you see sky news the yellow bar come up it's like no yeah yeah uh so david david would be great um there's tons of people man like i'll just some of the people that are the 
the least famous in the world I've had some of the most wonderful conversations with. Like I find a blogger that wrote some obscure 20,000-word article in 2017 and message them and say, hey, man, I want to talk to you about this. And we do it, and it like people love it. So yeah, it very much is just... That. But yeah, I think I think Naval Naval would probably be it'd be hard hard for me to hold my cool in front of him. Oh yeah, I think when you were talking about Joe Rogan, I think you may have to go up sobriety for that episode. I'd say for that would be an interesting episode. Um, but uh, Chris, I cannot thank you enough for your giving up so much of your time for having a chat with myself. Where can people find out about yourself? Where can people follow you on Instagram? Where can people find out about the podcast? Um, because guys, if you don't listen to this podcast, you are a schmuck. <laughs> Thank you, man. So yeah, search Modern Wisdom wherever you tune in, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, etc. And then just search Chris Williamson at Chris Willex on whatever your social media of preference is. Uh, and I'd love to see you there. If you want to get a list, a free list of 200 life hacks that are the compilation of everything we've achieved on the show so far, all the different life hacks from the last three years, chriswillx.com slash lifehacks. You can get that for free and it'll also add you to my newsletter, which I put out every Monday, uh, which I like to think is is not totally shit. Um, so yeah, there's wherever your platform of choice is, just go and find me. Guys, I'm going to put in the links for everything into the write-up. So if you want to listen, if you want to download the the life hacks and stuff like that, I've done it already and it, it, it's awesome. So guy, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, guys. If you've enjoyed the episode, guys, please do tag the two of us up on your story. Leave a review. The more reviews, the more shares, the more people... Chris, no, Chris is just nodding. Yeah, the more support you guys give this, the more it can get and the bigger it can get. And one day we can both get Joe Rogan on. That would be the dream. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, brother.